So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children ages two years old through second grade to go in that direction to junior worship. And if you're a guest here today and you have children in that age range, just kind of follow those that are going in that direction. The rest of you take your Bibles and turn this morning to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We'll be beginning in verse 67 this morning, but as we're turning there, I certainly want to, as I do every Sunday, remind you of a very important aspect of our worship that we offer to God, and that is the offering we bring each Sunday. We make it possible for you to uh, give your offering through mailing a check to the church address. You can give an automatic draft through your bank. You can go online to our website at Eastside Springs. There's a box on the homepage that says Give. Very simple. Or if you're here in person, you can drop your contribution off in the box. And if you're not, that's right there on the table on the way out. If you are not here in person, I'm staring straight at you. Uh, at the cameras, we are so delighted to have you here via live stream. It means the world to us. We're humbled and honored to have you with us this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 is our text through 79. We could say that Christmas is a time of longing and expectation. It's a, a build-up that all culminates on the morning of December 25th. And as a little boy, I remember the excitement I used to feel counting down the days to Christmas. I remember going with my mom to Gasternauts or some of the department stores in Nashville in, in December and they would be playing the Christmas carols. Just gets you excited. I remember actually sometimes going Christmas caroling. I remember my dad putting up the Christmas tree. And I remember being allowed to, to put up the decorations with my parents, hanging the, hanging the stockings over the fireplace. I can smell still today the smell of my mother's cooking. She was an incredible cook. And all the baked treats that she would make in December. I can hear my grandmother's voice as I sat next to Granny on the couch and she would read the Christmas stories to me. I loved every year watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That was my favorite. And then in second place, I absolutely loved the, the little drummer boy. My heart was with that guy. I'd watch the Christmas Carol, the Scrooge. It kind of scared me, but I would watch it. It was, it was part of the tradition. And all of these things, they were just building up in me, getting closer and closer, this excitement. And I remember around the corner from where we used to live, there was this strip mall, if you know Nashville, I think it was Westmead, no, excuse me, Weston Boulevard. And there was this strip mall, and right in front of the five and dime store, now we call them dollar stores, right? That's inflation. Right in front of the five and dime store, every year they would put up this little hut. 
And that's where Santa would sit. And that's where we would go to, to talk to Santa and to tell him what we wanted. And we didn't always stop by the hut. But as mom would drive by the five and dime store, my face would just be plastered looking out the window to see if I could see Santa. And I remember it was every Christmas Eve we had an amazing Christmas Eve dinner. Mom always made Cornish hens. It's getting closer. It's tomorrow. And after, after the dinner, then we would set out the, the cookies and the milk. It's time to go to bed. And I'd go to my bedroom as a little boy, and I remember looking out the window looking into the sky for signs of Santa. And I'd go to bed and I would listen to the sound of hooves on the, on the roof. It's tomorrow morning. I, I mean, I don't know if you remember that. I could barely sleep. I was so excited. And for some reason, I don't know, but I always heard the sound of the attic door opening. Not sure what that was. We had a fireplace, Santa. And then about 30 minutes later, my sister and I would get up. No, it seemed like that to my mom and dad. It would be this, this unreasonable hour of the morning. We would get up. And we would run into mom and dad's room. And we would wake them up. And then we would just race to the we called it the den. I don't even know if there's a thing called dens anymore. We'd race to the den to see what was under the tree. The excitement, the buildup. You just can't imagine. No, you can because you, you know it, don't you? So think about that setting. As you run into that room. And there's no presence under the tree. There's no presence anywhere. And you look over to the plate where the milk and the cookies are supposed to be. And they're still there. Santa didn't come. Like, what a horrible letdown. Is it tomorrow? Is it, is it next month? Did he miss our house? Tomorrow comes, the next day, the next month, nothing. You go through the whole year and you, you build up to December again. And all of that happens again. The carols, the huts put up, the songs are played, the smells in the kitchen. And you get to the 25th and again... Nothing. And year after year. And you start wondering, has he stopped all this? Is he not coming? Ever? Or is he real? Is, is any of this real? Did he die? Did he retire? 
Have I done something wrong? Is he mad at me? Am I uh, on the, the naughty list? In our Advent series entitled A Christmas Musical, we're looking at the original carols of Christmas recorded in the Gospel of Luke. And so we've now come to the song of Zechariah. And Zechariah's song is a song of longing and waiting with expectation. It's a song of promises. Promises of one who would come with something much greater than just a big bag of toys, but with blessings, the, the coming Messiah. And like with the Advent calendar, you open one day, and then you open the next day, and you're getting closer and closer to Christmas Day. You, you open the Bible in the Old Testament, and you, you read the book of Genesis, and there's a promise. And then you go to Exodus, and there's a promise. And with each book, just like opening the Advent calendar day, you're getting closer and closer and closer to, to that coming and you get to the final book in the Bible and, and, and it just puts you on the edge of your seat where you're looking up into the sky with this incredible expectation of His coming as the last chapter in the last book in the Old Testament. It gives you a, a promise of His coming. And then the Gospel of Luke opens with a story of this man named Zechariah and it's been 400 years basically and he still hasn't come and the people of Israel are, are under the painful oppression of a, of a foreign government and the people are left wondering, did we, did we miss this somewhere? Did we get this wrong? Did he change his mind? Is he not coming after all? Is he real? Is any of this real? Have we done something wrong? And then, this priest, Zechariah, he's serving in the temple. And an angel appears to him. And the angel says, you know, you remember in Malachi that, that promise of this one who would come like Elijah. And he would be the forerunner to announce the, the coming of the Messiah. You, you remember that, Zechariah. Your wife is going to become pregnant and give birth to that child but you can imagine Zechariah after 400 years of waiting after all his life wondering with his feeling of being let down you can imagine being a little bit skeptical and that being just a bit hard to believe. And then add to that, my wife, are you kidding? She's 80-something years old. She's beyond, well, the text is generous to her. She's advanced in years. She's beyond childbearing age. And so he's just like, uh, he doubts it. And so the angel, in response to that, 
something of a, I guess you might call it a punishment. Tell Zechariah, that's it. You're not going to be able to speak during your wife's pregnancy until your son is born. So that's the way it was. And then Zechariah notices on his wife a, a, a little bump. And the bump begins to grow. And the bump begins to kick. It's like, this is, this is real. But he can't say a word. Imagine that. And then the day comes and his son who is named John is born and friends and family have gathered. It's the eighth day of this child's birth as was the custom. They've gathered for the celebration of his circumcision. We have gender reveal parties. We have baby showers. They had circumcision parties. (laughs) This is weird (laughs) for us, right? And as the angel promised, then Zechariah is able to speak. Like, what do you say after nine months? You haven't been able to talk. And you've not only been able to to talk, but you've experienced this. And so as Luke is telling this story, all of a sudden he changes the way he writes the story from this ordinary prose to to this elevated prose of, of poetry. The style is totally different at this point, and it's very um, similar to how songs were written in this day and time. And so we have what is traditionally called the Song of Zechariah. Verse 67. And his father, that means John, John's father, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, so we, we just always want to notice the activity of the Holy Spirit because he's so missed in our culture today. Notice he's everywhere in this story. He was with Mary and Elizabeth. And again, Zechariah's words weren't just his words, but they were given and inspired by the Holy Spirit. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Very common blessing for Jewish people of this day. But why? Why are we blessing God? What is the basis for this blessing? Verse 68, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. He remembered he remembered. That's what Zechariah is singing. When we thought he had forgotten, I mean, it was a long time, but he remembered. God kept his promise. And the Messiah has come. And so that could just be the sermon, let's go home, but you pay way too much for me to end there. Zechariah's 
song, we could take it, we could divide it up into two sections. Part one would be verses 68 through 75. That's just, wow, this Messiah, this is who he is, and this is what he's going to do. It's praise, it's praise for Jesus. And then the second half of this song, verses 76 through 79, this is, and my son, he's talking about his son. He gets to be a part of that. So let's look at both of those sections. Now, as Jesus is spoken of here, I, I, um, I'm a very visual learner. So as he speaks of Jesus, I think, or at least for me, he paints four pictures of Jesus that I want to share with you. The first one I pick up here on verse 68 where we read, He has visited us. Or he has visited his people. So who's coming to see you for Christmas? Who's coming to visit for Christmas? One of our Christmas carols is Santa Claus is coming to town. But like this is for real. God in Christ is coming to town. He's coming to visit. I love the, the word in the original language here for visit. It's a surprising word you would not think that would be translated into the English visit. It's the Greek word here is episkopos, from which we get the word episcopal. Or we draw, derive from that word the word bishop. This is, this is an expression of our, our elders, our overseers of our church. And this word episkopos, it's built in two words. It's, it's got epi, which is a, it's a prefix that just strengthens the root word. The root word, listen carefully, you know this word, skopos. We get the name of the mouthwash scope from this word. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> you know this word. It's about vision. A long-range rifle has a scope. That's the word. On Friday, I'm going to the endoscopy center. <laughs> so excited. Because I'm going to have a colonoscopy. It's a procedure by which they can see deep, deep, deep within. And Eddie, we could have been okay with the sermon without that. And that's not the picture I want you to see. <laughs> I remember the time the doctor came to me after Karen's colonoscopy with pictures, colored pictures. I said, what am I supposed to do with these? Here's the picture. Scope. Listen carefully. Telescope. There it is. God sees from heaven to earth. God, do you see me? He does. Microscope. There's that word we use. Out of the billions and billions of people on this earth, like a multitude of cells on a petri dish, God sees each one. This is the picture of God in Christ. As Zechariah sings this beautiful song, we sing of Santa Claus he sees you. I'm not going to sing it because I'm not breaking out in song like I did last week. Because I told you I don't like that in musicals. He sees you when you're sleeping. <laughs> he knows when you're awake. Which is, that's all just creepy. He knows if you've been good or bad. But actually, God in Christ, that's the picture. 
here in this passage. Don't you love the way Jesus says, listen, you need to know there's not a single bird that falls to the ground that he doesn't see. I love that. And this is really amazing. He doesn't just see, but he knows every single hair follicle on your head. He's not forgotten you, Zechariah sings. He didn't forget. He hasn't overlooked us. He sees you from heaven to earth amidst all that's going on in this world. He sees you to the very innermost part of your being. He has come to visit us. Why? Why? As he just happens to have been in town? No. He has visited us, visited and redeemed his people. He has come to redeem us. And so, when I, whenever I think of the word redeem, this is the picture that I think of. Eddie's, Eddie's just such a deep guy. And you know, two weeks ago I was talking about musicals. Let me tell you, this movie ain't no sappy musical. You, you don't see Sylvester stopping in the middle of this drama and prancing around singing a song. It's action from beginning to end. I'm not really a big Rambo fan, but I remember as a little boy watching this movie and how as this warrior, he goes into enemy territory I think it was North Vietnam in this story. He goes in enemy territory and he finds these POWs and I wanted this picture of the POWs. I couldn't find it. And they are in this cave-like structure that has these bamboo-like bars over it and, the, and he frees them. He sets them free. And that's, that's, the, that's the visual of the word that Luke uses here for redeem. It's the meaning, it means the act of freeing someone, rescuing someone, and in, with that is, is, is paying a ransom. But it, different than Rambo's story, Jesus didn't come into our enemy territory and risk his life. There was no risk involved. It was a certainty. He gave his life. He's come to redeem us by coming into enemy territory. He gave his life. Our salvation was costly. And so this leads us to the third picture that Zechariah, for me at least, paints of Christ. In verse 69 it says, He has raised up a horn of salvation. Now this is not a musical instrument. The horn, if you were a Jewish person reading this or hearing Zechariah say this, you know what this means. It's a sign of strength. The ox with his horn was a, was a mighty beast. And his horns were symbolic of his strength. We even say today, strong as an ox. Which I think it's also interesting. The four gospel writers, they were given by early church fathers various symbols that represented them. Three of them are given symbols of, a, of animals. One of them is given symbol of a person with a wing. And the animal of an ox was given to Luke. Why, Why this picture of Christ? 
Because in verse 71, as we read, he has come to save his people from an enemy that's more powerful than they were. They could not free themselves from the, from the tyranny and the pain and the oppression of the Roman Empire. It says in verse 71, they were hated by these people. But as the song goes on, there was an even greater power than the Roman Empire. It was the power of sin and darkness that was held holding these people in captivity from which they could not free themselves. And so Zechariah sings, God has raised up one who's stronger than an ox, who by his, the horn of salvation displayed in Christ, by his mighty strength, has delivered us. And then he goes on to sing as we read, and all of this it wasn't just, well, let's do this. It's the whole Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. All of these promises have come true. It's the promise that he gave. In, that he gave to the next slide, please. It's the promise that he gave to David. Zechariah sings. It's the promise that he gave through the holy prophets. It's the promise that he gave to Abraham. God remembered that could be the title to this song, I believe. But I love this in verse 73. It's a promise to deliver us, not just, great, we're delivered. But we are delivered, he says in verse 73, that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. That is so packed. We don't serve to be saved. We're, we serve because we are saved. We aren't saved simply, oh, we got something from God. We're saved and delivered and freed that we might give something to God. Our lives and service all of our days in holiness and righteousness. Not to be holy and righteous, but because we are. Not out of fear, as Zechariah sings, but out of his incredible love for God and who he is and what he's done for us. And so then Zechariah in his song shifts. That's God in Christ. And says, but my son, wow, he, he's part of this. Verse 76 he says, and you, child, will be. You just kind of wonder, almost certainly uh, little John is eight days old. You kind of figure Zechariah is probably holding him. And says, you, child, will be. And that, more than likely, is a reply to the friends and family have gathered for this big celebration when they said, what then shall this child be? Zechariah, guided by the Holy Spirit, tells us. Here we see that John, but like every child conceived and growing in its mother's womb, had a God-given purpose for its life long before it was born. Oh, in, in our struggle for the unborn, if we could grasp that. What was the God-given purpose for this little boy? Verse 76. 
And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge and salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God. The purpose of the life of Zechariah's little boy was to make known salvation and forgiveness that was given in the Messiah who has come. Parents, there's a lesson to be learned here. Whatever you're doing with your child, whatever you're trying to shape and form in their life, whatever greatness you seek to develop, it will be found in forming them to be humble servants, pointing their lives to Jesus, that they might be instruments of God that point the lives to others, that point the lives of others to Christ. Anything else that you encourage your child to do. Whatever vocation they may choose that does not have this as the primary focus of their lives has missed the very purpose for which God has created them as we see it was with John. This is not unique to John. John's role, it's very interesting, if you know his larger story, you might consider studying it. It was to get ready, to get people ready for the, the coming of Christ, and it was through two things, through repentance and baptism. We're in the get ready mode right now. We're getting ready. We're going to celebrate the coming of the Messiah. Are you ready? We're still buying Christmas presents in our home. Do you have your recipes? We were in Costco, King Supers, and Safeway getting our groceries ready do you have your new Christmas sweater are your lights up and on is your Christmas tree decorated all these things we do to get ready for this incredible celebration but John's story reminds us the most important way to prepare for the celebration of his coming is preparing our lives that's what John was proclaiming there needs to be some change he said some he calls it repentance for some it was it was baptism into Christ you see, if, if in the celebration of Christmas, as we anticipate the coming of Jesus and the celebration on December 25th, if my life was the same before it started, it's the same afterwards, then I missed the essence of Christmas and I've done nothing more than celebrate a secular holiday. And so all of this Zechariah sings, I love this expression in verse 78, is by the tender mercy, not just mercy, it's tender mercy of our God. This is the second time in this song that we've seen the word mercy. And so this tells us God wasn't looking from heaven to earth with his telescope and going, my goodness, they've been all so good. Fill up the bags with good things. No, with he saw us deep, deep in a pit of a hole that we dug for ourselves. And by his tender mercy, he came. So this leads us to the final picture I see of Jesus in Zechariah's song. It's in verse 78. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, 
to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And if you know your Old Testament, you're going, I've heard something like that before. That's the very last promise of the Messiah in Malachi chapter 4 where he says these words, the son, S-U-N, of righteousness shall rise with healing in its rays or its wings. That's the picture of God in Christ. Now, I've never seen this before until my most recent study. Notice this is shining into the darkness. It doesn't say to those who walk in darkness. It says to those who sit in it. They're sitting in darkness. It's like they've quit walking. It's like they've quit looking for a way out. Might as well sit down. It's been like this for 400 years. It's an expression, it seems like a a resignation. This This is just life. This is just the way it is. Zechariah sings into this period in place of darkness and confusion and doubt and oppression into the shadow of death. The sun rises. The Son of God as promised comes. And he closes with these words to guide our feet into the way of peace. So on December 24th, that's what we're going to look at. That's the theme of the song of the angels that we'll see in chapter 2. It's a song of peace. The story in Israel and Palestine right now tells us how desperately we need peace. The raging wars and storms of our hearts here and there tells us how desperate we need his peace. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't gotten one yet, pick up one of these invitation cards. They're on that table on the way out. There are people in our community who need to find and know like we need to find and know peace. Let's all pick up a card and make plans to invite someone. It's a golden opportunity on December 24th. Zechariah's song is a song of promises. Promises God made promises he kept. And you go into the New Testament, you might consider reading the book of Hebrews, and he talks about in chapter 6, God's promises, and he makes this statement, you know, there's things we think of, uh, God can do anything. Well, that's not true. There's something God can't do. He can't break a promise. When he's made it, it's, it's there for certain. And, and he compares this promise in this figurative sense that when we are in the confusing storms of our lives, These promises we hold on to like an anchor for the soul. And we wait. That's hard, isn't it? We wait. It's a song of promises. The song of Zechariah is a song of longing and expectation of those who find themselves sitting in darkness, in lostness, in confusion. It's a song for those who find themselves asking, where is God? Why is he silent? Has he forgotten me? Has he forgotten his promises? 
Has he changed his mind? Does he not, does he not see what's going on? In my life. Like what is it that these promises in scripture say this. But my life is like this. Has he forgotten? In the Christmas story. The song of Zechariah. Celebrating the uh, coming of Jesus Christ. Reminds us. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't overlooked. He sees. He redeems. And though it seems as though if I got anything from him, it would just be a a big bag of coal. Out of the tender mercy, he comes as a son of righteousness, shining his light into our darkness for our deliverance, our forgiveness, and our salvation. And so as we count down the days with excitement, to the celebration of the coming of Christ. Zechariah's song reminds us, as John the Baptist's story reminds us, let's get ready. Let's prepare our lives to celebrate His coming. What does that mean? I'm out of time. Let's ask God to tell us. Would you stand? God, if I might plagiarize, I will borrow the words of Zechariah's song and prayer. Blessed be you, O Lord God of Israel, our God, that you have visited us, that you have come to redeem us, that you were and that you are faithful to your promises. Fathers, we celebrate again this month your coming. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will come once again in renewal by your great power and by your tender mercy, that you would shine your light into our world that is lost in darkness. Be born in us anew and through us anew into the lives of others. And as we count down the days to the celebration of your coming, What would you have us to do besides put up lights and wrap presents and cook? What do you want us to do to prepare our lives that you might come once again in power and mercy? We're going to continue this prayer and song. And if you come this morning with a heavy heart, and there are many of us here I know that have a heavy heart, don't leave with that without grabbing someone and asking them to pray with you. If you know someone that's here that needs your prayers or a hug, this is an opportunity to reach out. And our shepherds are here as well. Let's, let's continue now in this time of prayer. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.